in like this. Where it's just loaded wire to wire. I, I couldn't really do anything. It's kind of embarrassing though when people in the real world ask you like, hey, what'd you do this weekend? I'm like, ah. Uh. <laughs> so I turned on the television in the early day. Sit on my couch. I watched it. There were two Leafs games, so I had to do two Leafs talks. But yeah, I was I was fully plastered. I had barely moved. <laughs> Friday I went out. Friday I did things. Socialized on a Friday night. That's good. Which was fun. I went to a bar where they take it way too seriously. And I was a little annoyed by that. That's a bit Define way too seriously. Uh, okay, it's a quote-unquote speakeasy, right? So it's mm. a cool joint. Okay. So you can't, you got to wait. You can't knock. And then they come and they tell you kind of the rules and... A lot of people love that experience, and they go, this is so cool, this is so chic. And just wasn't my, your thing? <laughs> I tried to, the drinks were good. It was a, okay, that's It good. was an enjoyable place, but that, I'm very much a, now, I'm old now, you know? It's over no, for me. It's done. Old. It's you're o- not old. C'est fini. It's, o- it's over. <laughs> so now when I go to a place... I'm I'm like a dad buying shoes. I just want comfort. <laughs> like I mostly just want comfort. And if I go if I go somewhere nice, I want to be treated very well, and I want the experience to be great. Mm-hmm. And this was kind of one of those things. But yeah, just yeah. I also am the customer. All right. Right. I don't want to feel rushed because you're. Busy. I I don't care about any of this thing. Like right. I'm not here to take a picture for Instagram. You know. <laughs> like so, I'm here because I heard that you have a really good cocktail menu, and they. Did. But yeah, it was just a little. It's not really I, your thing. It's just hard for me to settle in on that. Yeah, true. It's just harder for me to settle in on that. So that was the uncomfortable part of my weekend, which was great. Fine, yeah. fun, awesome. The rest of it was pure, yes. just sports. Yes. I sportsed out pretty hard. Yeah. I also will say that in the moment, I was a little annoyed that there was no Blue Jays on Friday. And I went, what is this? You can't give me baseball and then say no more. Yeah, it was opening day. And then all of a sudden, just kidding. Yeah, exactly. But. <laughs> There was baseball over the weekend, just not as fun as the first game where they won. They <laughs> lost the next two games. I'm gonna do. Ton, I'm gonna run through basically all the stuff from the weekend right here, and then I'm gonna get on Shai Davidi in about ten minutes. So I want to start with the basketball. Mm-hmm. I want to do Nick Nurse. I want to do the women's college game, and then I'm gonna give a little thought on the Leafs, and then I'll jump into yeah Bassett's. Nightmare debut. Oh, my God. Uh, I'll do that with Shy. Basically, my only question to Shy is, hey, uh, maybe Danny Jansen will get to pick some of the pitches next time. What happened out Chris there? Chris Bassett, eight <laughs> pitches, none work. <laughs> hey, look at this. Okay. Just batting How practice. about one that works? Just one that you can get over for a strike is all I need. I don't need eight that don't work. I one just need one. One that's not hit 99 yeah, miles an hour. One for a strike would be sweet, Chris. <laughs> not... Eight absolute different versions of meatball. Three bombs in one inning. <laughs> yeah, that was something. He's like, I never got hit by that like that. I was like, I hope not. <laughs> because if that's how you were getting hit and they gave you that big bag of money, somebody's got some explaining to do. Because that you don't want to get Tanner Rorock memories when you're watching oh. your new prize acquisition pitcher. Anyway, so for those of you who are not up to speed, there are Nick Nurse rumors abound. There is drama with the head coach. And this started last week. It's funny because our boy Pete, our boy Pete Walker, who's producing today, he fires, he fires a, in an email we do. We do an email every single day of, hey, let's make sure that we've got all the stories and everything that's kind of covered. Mm-hmm. And he sends one that's from some website that I've never heard of before. And it's like, Heavy. these are... 
Heavy.com. It was from Heavy? Heavy? I actually have heard of Heavy. So, whatever. It was from a source. It was like an unsourced thing on Heavy, though. Yeah. Where it goes, yeah, this is just it. And it actually links back to an old Shams piece about Nurse not being potentially. This isn't brand new stuff. Yeah. Okay? This isn't brand new, fresh out of the box stuff when it comes to Nick Nurse not being completely happy mm-hmm. or the Raptors knowing that he is 100% going to be the coach next season. Yeah. Okay? None of that's new. What was new is in this heavy article that Pete shows us is there's a sprinkle of, hey, Nick Nurse actually might be heading to Houston next year and Ime Udoka, the disgraced former head coach of the Boston Celtics. Mm-hmm. I don't care where you weigh in on it. You got disgraced. <laughs> I think you, are you allowed to say? Yeah, you're allowed to say what he did. He hooked up with uh, another member of the Boston Celtics organization's wives. Yes. Why? Wives. Wife. What, well, however, you're Wife. supposed to say that. Yes. Not multiple. He wasn't in Utah. Danny Ainge went to Utah. That's where, he, you know. No, you, one, one wives, wife. plural. One wife. Boston, one. You get one. <laughs> one Utah, wife. many. Boston, one. Same rules as basically everybody okay, else. <laughs> so I'm going, all right. Uh, okay. Not running with this. Then a couple of days later, boom, Doug Smith comes over the top rope and he goes, hey. Uh, you know who I am, right? We're like, yeah, actually, we do know who you are. You're the longest tenured writer of the Toronto Raptors. And he goes, yeah, there's something to this. The buzz is starting to get palpable. Hey, everyone, this is something worth noting. Doug Smith says it. Now we're in new territory, right? Now Mm -hmm. it's a very serious story. Mm -hmm. Nick Nurse, as Michael Grange writes in his excellent column on this on Friday, Nick Nurse has an opportunity to do what basically everyone in the history of sports with any type of rationality who would be in his position, which is a team that has been winning a ton of basketball games lately, a coach that has paid $8 million a year, one of the highest among all of coaches, a guy who was handed the car keys going into a season where the Raptors went out and acquired Kawhi Leonard. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty good way to start your coaching tenure. Guy who got his first job in Toronto, who's been here for a decade, mm-hmm. heading into the postseason as his team is finally starting to turn the ship around. A team that his general manager decided, hey, I'm not going to strip down into spare parts and hurt your coaching record. A team that I'm going to keep together and actually bolster with a center. Hey, head coach, will you please go to the podium and address these rumors that you might be looking for the exit door? And be interested in the Houston Rockets job. Any coach in the history of everything with, again, (laughs) these parameters would just simply say, I love being a member of the Toronto Raptors organization. I'm just focused on the playoff run right now, right? Mm -hmm. Pretty much stock standard. That's the quote. That's what you'd expect. That is the status quo. Just an easy peasy status quo answer. Hey, I know this for a fact. Toronto Raptors have people who are, they have a PR department. <laughs> they, they don't, he didn't just go out there and he was like, what am I doing out here? How do I supposed to do? How do I answer these questions? This is how Nick Nurse answered those questions about his future with the Toronto Raptors. Run it, Josh. I think when this season gets done, um, you know, we'll evaluate everything. And, me? and even personally, like I'm going to take a few weeks to, okay. to see where I'm at. You know, like you said, where's my head at? And just see how the relationship with the organization is and everything. It's been 10 years for me now, which is a pretty good run. Right now, my head is to get this and make this as long a season as possible. This this team needs playoff experience. 
right? So um, that is where I'm at right now. Have you put more thought then into, for whatever the reason, you might not be back next year? No, I, I think that I'm concentrated on this this job for sure. And oh, for this sure. Game, essentially, but I think that I think ten years is a good time to sit back and reflect a little bit, right? So I think that's where we're going. We'll do that all when the season ends. Uh, <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> You're going to take some time. Why? Why do you keep saying ten years is a long run? Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, f- fine. Sure. Like technically, yes. It's a decade. A decade with an organization. You might want to sit back. You know what you do with that information? You keep it private. <laughs> you don't say it to the public. You know the stuff you said about where your head's at right now with the team and them needing playoff experience and you wanting to make this as deep? That's all you needed to say. Those were the only things that you needed to say in that situation. Again, you make $8 million a year as a head coach. You make more money than some of your players. And you have for quite some time. They rewarded you with that big bag of money four years ago. You are one of the pillars of this franchise. You are someone that many people have called the Greg Popovich of Toronto. Yeah. A guy who people thought was going to be the head coach here forever and ever and ever. And okay, we all, Nick Nurse is the kind of guy where Raptors fans are allowed to poke fun at him, right? Mm -hmm. You're allowed to make fun of the fact that Nick Nurse is constantly bitching at the officials. Like, oh my God, no one does it more in the entire NBA. He lives in their pocket. Yeah. He is just there and uh, just face right on the sidelines. I'd love, I'd, again, I'd, the guys who are the biggest complainers are the guys that I always wish could just be a referee for a day. Just <laughs> make them switch out. Just deal with all the crap. Like, that they I have always to wanted with. Jose Bautista to be an umpire. And now I wish Nick nurse, if he was saying, Hey, I'm leaving the Raptors. I'm taking some time to Think about my future. I'm not actually going to be a coach. I want to be a ref because the state of officiating is so bad. And you see me every night. I'm apoplectic. I'm exasperated. I'm going to become a lead NBA official. I would go, you know what? Bravo. (laughs) Bravo, Nick. Way to step into their shoes. Way to see what it's like for them. He's going to take some time. 10 years is a good run. These are the things you say when you're breaking up with somebody. And, And here's what I cannot understand for the life of me. How Nick Nurse, someone who seems so aware of his brand, because he's wearing a Nick Nurse hat. Yeah. How he could be so obtuse and so oblivious to the way he's wearing out his goodwill in this city. This is a guy who won a championship here. We're not Boston. We don't have a million championships here. Look at the run that Joe Carter has had from a marketing standpoint because he won a championship here in Toronto. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Decades of showing up and selling you whatever. Hey, yeah. your back hurts? Don't worry. Joe Carter's got you covered. <laughs> whatever you need, Joe Carter's got you covered. Charity golf tournament, whatever it is. Yeah. This city loves you forever. You win a championship somewhere, especially that is starved, you are loved forever. We are a few years removed from Nick Nurse taking a stage, taking Budweiser's stage. Mm-hmm. And the Arkells go, the most beloved guy in the city. (laughs) We put up with your horrible guitar playing. We have let you be delusional about your musical abilities. And we have just gone, yep, it's fine. Because you're the head coach of the Raptors. You're this genius. And yeah, maybe he doesn't have the great personal touch. Maybe he gets into it with his players every once in a while. But man, he is a strategic genius. He won them a championship. He is a really great head coach. You need to make sure that you keep him 
and make sure that, hey, even when we went through the deadline and even when we've gone through the disappointments the last couple of years, how much blame has he gotten? Not very much. We blame him for playing his players too often. That's about it. Mm-hmm. There's not too much after that. We blame him about getting too emotional at times, and there have definitely been stories about, hey, he and Pascal Siakam when Siakam got benched a couple of years ago and how that played out. Mm-hmm. We've even heard privately, like, he is a tough guy to deal with at times. He's a perfectionist. That's okay. I don't mind that as long as you're successful. Now you're not. And now you're talking about potentially taking another job in another city or that you need some time to figure out whether it's okay with you to stay with the team that made you one of the richest head coaches in the NBA that has employed you for 10 years and is about to go on a playoff run. And then for him the next day to basically go off and say, yeah, I'm not talking about this. Like, we're moving on at a media conference. After you're the one who created all of this, Nick, like, how do you think these rumors came out? Again, who has what to gain here? You think that the Raptors leaked this about Nick Nurse wanting to go? Uh, Yeah, pretty clearly not, right? Probably not. And then for him to go up there and so unapologetically basically be like, yeah, who knows? Uh, (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty clear that the guy's not happy. He's trying to push some leverage spot. Right as this team heads into the postseason, which to most doesn't really matter because I think a lot of people think that this Raptors team has a pretty hard ceiling. But here's the thing. Since uh, February 1st, they have won a whole lot of basketball games. They've been a pretty tough out. OG and Anobi's looking spectacular. Pirtle has fit in perfectly. They've looked a little bit deeper. And now come playoff time when you just play your best guys a lot every single night. Who knows? I think that this Raptors team is a little bit better than we're giving them credit for. Probably not champions. Mm Mm-hmm. I think pretty clearly not champions, but I think a little bit better than we think. Anyway, um, I've made Shy sit on the line for way too long, especially since he's like at a busy airport and he's doing me a favor today. But uh, Shy Davidi, senior reporter and columnist for Sportsnet, who's on the go, who's on the move, who's traveling across the country, who just went through security, possibly has shoes on, possibly shoes off. Shy Davidi, what's up, buddy? GSA pre-check, buddy. I don't have to take my shoes off. Whoa. <laughs> that is That's it. pretty That's how cool. You travel. Man, when you have to take your boots off and it's wintertime travel, that is just a nightmare. I forget it every oh, yeah. single time, and I'm like, ugh. And the worst part is, is when you're in the line, and you wouldn't know this anymore because, again, you're better than us. We get it. But when you're in the line and you see people wearing the comfy shoes and you showed up in boots, there's that's, that's a bottom five, oh, my God, I'm an idiot moment. Like, that is... That's a tough one to swallow. Uh, okay. I will say the veteran travelers are, are coming in in Crocs and they're just yes. like slipping those off, right? That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying is you just feel like such a noob rookie. And you go, like people, you almost expect the TSA people to go, oh, is this your first time traveling? Is this your first time going on the big whirly bird? And you're like, yeah, I like it. I'm going to go in the sky. <laughs> like that's, that's basically me when I have boots at the airport. Okay. So we get uh, Chris Bassett's debut. And it's an absolute nightmare. He gives up four home runs, uh, nine run and three and a third. There's hard contact basically every pitch. I know you don't like hyperbole. You're a very serious guy, but boy, oh boy. Uh, He's got eight pitches, and I said none of them really look good. He's using the pitch calm, though, right? He's calling his own game. And before the broadcast, you know, you're talking about it. Everyone's discussing it. And we're saying, yeah, of course this makes sense. Um, Do you think there's going to be any adjustment to that strategy? I know this is a one-off situation. This is the most extreme result that he's had basically, I think, in his entire MLB career. But, yeah, what's your sense coming out of this in terms of what happened and whether or not there is going to be an adjustment moving forward? It's a great question. And I think Chris Bassett and the Blue Jays are going to spend a good amount of time in the coming days trying to really sort that out. From talking to him, talking to Danny Jansen, the, you know, the communications aspect wasn't an issue. 
And in terms of just the flow of pitch, uh, uh, of pitch calling and all that, maybe it's a little bit unusual, but they were doing it during spring training. It wasn't new there. It, there, there were no real surprises. Uh, if anything, the surprises were that they, the way the Cardinals approached them. Uh, Chris Basso said that he, he, he said they were far more aggressive with him than they had been in the past. And, uh, you know, there's a little bit of ambush there. You think his first pitch of the game's a home run. His third pitch of the game's a home run. So maybe a little bit of ambush there. But ultimately, if his pitches are in better locations, then this probably isn't happening. You know, his velo was down a tick from his averages last year. It's not necessarily atypical for the first start of a year mm. uh, in, in weather that's maybe a, a little bit colder than normal. But... Uh, you know, I, I don't know that there's sort of one thing that you can point to and say, oh, this is it. it uh, a lot of things seem to go wrong, and obviously none of his pitches were working. Uh, you know, he said that one of the things that they'll look to is to see if he was tipping anything as well, uh, mm-hmm. just because they were on six different pitches. You know, he had uh, six different pitches that the, the Cardinals had contact of 99.8 miles per hour or harder on. So, you know, <laughs> essentially nothing was fooling anybody. And uh, because of that, uh, the thing, though, there'll be a lot of deep diving into to see exactly what that is. So, yeah, that is the other part, right, is everyone went, this makes sense, this makes sense. He's going to do pitch calm. He's going to call his own game because they haven't had enough time together. And, and you mentioned that they, they had had some time in spring. This wasn't something new in terms of him calling a game. But, but that part of the equation, what do you think the runway is going to be for him to be able to do that if, if he doesn't start to find success? You, you're, I, it kind of sounds like you and they don't feel as though that had anything to do with this. I mean, it, maybe it did. It, it's, it's, it, you know, I don't know, but it, I just don't think it's one thing. When, when you have an outing like that, it's not one thing, right? Because it's not like, oh, they were identifying one pitch or they were keying on one or two offerings. Uh, it was basically everything. So mm-hmm. it, it could just be one of those days where nothing goes right and you just don't perform. The other team's pretty locked in. I mean, Cardinals scored uh, 22 runs over the weekend. They were uh, a pretty good offensive ball club. Uh, and maybe it, it reinforces just how good an outing Kevin Gosman had on Saturday. But I, I, look, the, the, everyone's adjusting to the pitch clock. Everyone's adjusting to differences in flow of information, the way that it can be two-way now instead of just one way. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe, maybe that pulled them out of rhythm a little bit. Uh, you know, when a guy throws that many different pitches uh, and, you're, and if you're, you're building rapport with a, with a new catcher, you don't want to just throw, throw everybody into the deep end. It probably makes a little bit of sense to have the, the game calling coming from the mound. Uh, but I, I think there's a lot, like everything was off yesterday. And how you dissect that, uh, you know, that's really for, for the Blue Jays ambassador to figure out over the next few days. You know, even when I was prepping some of the stuff for you, all I could think of was, yeah, I, I'm, I'm like a lot of the fan base, right? I need to chill out after the first series because I'm so excited for Blue Jays baseball. And uh, this happens every year. And I was joking about this on the sh- podcast last week, just about how, yeah, we're all going to relax uh, about a month in. But the first couple of weeks, everyone feels like it's so, so, so important. I know that's not you, but I am curious, what is it that like you care about outside of health? Like early portions of the season, is there anything that you put a little bit more stock in than, than something that, yeah, I think rationally you wouldn't? Well, I will say that it's natural for everybody to want to analyze things, right? We yeah. have like a three-game sample size, so that's all you have to work with right now, which is 
why you've got to be careful with, you know, making too much one way or the other of the, the first part of uh, the first series of the season. I, I will say that you saw a lot of what they wanted to accomplish in the offseason play out in the first game of the season where you had defensive plays that made a difference in the outfield. You had big base running moments that ended up providing the margin of difference. And then there were some miscues in the second and third game, and that's what undid them both times, right? You think about uh, the Matt Chapman error, and, you know, Matt Chapman, it happens, right? One of the best defenders in baseball. But Mm -hmm. that error opens the door to a three-run inning uh, on Saturday and end up losing 4-1. to and then you've got the, the miscue in the outfield. In the, you lose the ball in high sky. And, uh, Dalton falls in front of Dalton Varsho yesterday. And that opens up a, a, a three-run inning there. And after the Blue Jays had crawled back within 4-3, suddenly it's 7-3 again and the Cardinals are rolling. So those kind of things are, like, th- those are a couple of things that the Blue Jays had really targeted on cleaning up and trying to avoid. Uh, they showed up a couple times in the first two games, uh, which I think is going to be unusual, but it really demonstrates the difference between uh, just having a clean, crisp game versus one where, you know, you give the other team an extra opportunity. Uh, and the Cardinals have a, a pretty good lineup, you know, mm-hmm. even without Lars Newpar for a couple of days, you know, they took full advantage of them. Yeah, Cardinals look deep. My biggest takeaway from this entire weekend wasn't about the Blue Jays. It was, boy, this Cardinals team is nice. If they can get their back end of the bullpen guys not be disasters, they should absolutely be there later in the year. Because, yeah, that was a fun team to watch. And I will say this about the the miscues. You're right that that did pop up for them. But if I was going to say, hey, it was Dalton Varsho and it was Matt Chapman that made mistakes – I, I would say, okay, in a way, that's a positive sign because they're the most likely guys or two of the most what likely three guys to not be making those mistakes moving forward. So I, I guess maybe a little bit of a positive spin on that. Um, but you mentioned the, the Gosman thing. This is, this is a very serious question. Do you think he's cursed? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what? Very serious answer. He might be. Yeah. Uh, it's, it, it is so weird, right? But then you think about it, and I, I've had a lot of conversations with different Blue Jays people about this, uh, back in, starting from spring training, dating back to last year. And I think that everyone's just having trouble wrapping their minds around what the expected contact profile is going to look like off mm-hmm. the splitter, right? And a lot of it, too, is dependent on what a hitter's approach may be. So if the, if the hitter's de- definitively trying to eliminate the splitter and is just keyed up on fastball. He's going to be geared up. He might be early. He might end up popping the splitter. And then it, it just moves opposite what a guy's uh, history of balls in play would suggest. And that makes it, and the opposite could be true if you're, if, if a guy's sitting splitter. So it just makes it really hard to align the team properly. And, a lot of the times, for the most part, if you think about the way things played out last year, mm-hmm. I, it ended up working out in his favor. But then there's these starts where he's just throwing the ball great, and then he just has some dumb contact, and that ends up beating him. And it, it, I was talking to Pete Walker about this pitching coach uh, on Saturday, I think it was, and we're just kind of thinking back to Roy Halladay and some of the the mm-hmm. odd contact that he used to generate too. And he would have those outings where he'd get beat 
by these little squibbers that just find a hole in the infield and a bloop that finds uh, a spot in the outfield. Sometimes when you're a pitcher and you're that good and you get mishit balls, weird things can happen. That seems to be the reality that Kevin Gosman has to live with. And it was really interesting just hearing him say like how he just sort of has to accept it and be, be zen about it. Cause if you, if you do your job and you execute your pitch and you get soft contact, well, you've done everything you're supposed to do at that point, whatever happens, happens. Yeah. I was also listening to his post game and it was, I don't know if it's just a maturity thing with him, but yeah, he, he didn't sound at all surprised by the way things went. And he did pretty much explain it that way, where he went, yeah, this is this is the way that it's going to happen with my pitch, and I've, I'm kind of coming to accept it. I guess the part of it that makes me feel frustrated and the Roy Halladay part for me, the reminder is when Roy Halladay would go out and give the Blue Jays, um, yeah, a, a complete game of low run work, and then his team would go, here's also low runs. No, none. <laughs> In fact, yeah. uh, please enjoy. <laughs> Thank you, Roy. Okay. Good stats for you, though, at least. Um, Okay, so well, also remember that he's usually you, him and Gosman. They're usually going to be facing one of the other team's better pitchers for sure. too. So that's uh, that's part of the part of what you sign up for when you're you're going to be a top of the rotation starter. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we mentioned it's small sample size time. So the urgency for certain players, you feel like you got to be just relaxed. When it comes to Chris Bassett, you go, all right, fine. It's not a good outing, and yeah, we're allowed to have a take off of it. But for the most part. It's, it's really hard to take have wide-sweeping, massive opinions now that have shifted from what you had in the offseason with the Chris Bassett signing. That said, there are some guys where you take the last year and it bleeds into this one and you have expectations and that does feel like urgency. And the next two guys through the order um, or through the rotation, that's the way that this is right now. What do you feel the urgency is just for like Barrios and Kikuchi to get off the good starts? especially against a bad Royals team that started 0-3? Yeah, I think for both those guys, they've made some adjustments or changes over the offseason. They've had, for the most part, especially for Kikuchi, and then you know, Barrios had a blip, but otherwise was pretty solid. They've had good springs to build upon. And you're just looking for positive reinforcement, that you're on the right track. And if it goes sideways in your first outing of the season and it, it feels like, oh, a reversion to 2022 form, yeah, that's not great for either guy's confidence. Now, is that going to break either, either pitcher? It shouldn't. I wouldn't expect it to. Uh, and, and I do expect you know, more certainly on, on Barrios, but you know, a little bit with Kikuchi as well, that they're going to be better than, than what we saw last year. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, certainly Barrios with the track record, you know, gives you reason to trust that this guy didn't just suddenly fall off a cliff and can't pitch anymore. Uh, and with Kikuchi, it's been there in spurts, and maybe he's found a way to lock it in. But you take the leading indicators and what they saw in the spring, and you expect it to be uh, to continue into the regular season. And if it doesn't, I, I think for both guys, it can just place that little bit of a question mark that becomes another hurdle they have to overcome. Shai, thank you for your time. Go get on the big bird in the sky. And uh, yeah, we'll be watching later tonight. Thanks, pal. I appreciate you, JD. Talk soon, man. See you, dude. Shai Davidi, senior reporter for Sportsnet. I like that answer about what he cares about early on in the year. And okay, so here's what I care about early on in the year. You want 
couple quick takeaways from the weekend. Some negative, some positive. Obviously, I mentioned the Chris Batson thing. I don't, I don't know how you could feel good about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe he was tipping his pitches. All right. It's, uh, it's an outlier performance. All right. I will say this. Guy's a competitor. You could see how much it was wearing on him. I felt bad for him because I believe first impressions matter a lot in sports. I was glad it wasn't at home. But still, a lot of Blue Jays fans watching early on in the year, and this is what makes it a little bit different and harder to, I guess, overcome. When you don't throw hard and it looks like you're just getting whooped by the opposition, we're used to going, oh, I have eight pitches, but all of them kind of look the same from a velocity standpoint, which is not a lot of it. Mm Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, Shai comes on here and goes, it's not uncommon for guys to start the year with their velocity down, but it also is notable that he's 34 years old. Yeah, he's on a three-year deal. He got a lot of money. You're, you're going to be scared. It's gonna, you're going to be a little nervous watching his next start. Mm-hmm. You're not going to feel super great and super confident. And I'm always a big believer in you're fitting in with a new ball club. You're trying to ingratiate yourself to a new fan base. You want to start off great. Yeah. Of course. That's just common sense, right? That's yeah. not even like really a take. It'll it'll take a little while before I think he has real confidence with the fan base because that is such a memorable opener. Yes. So memorably bad mm-hmm. that for a lot of people, you just have lost faith. There's going to be groans. There's going to be nervousness. Yeah. And I've always believed that that stuff permeates into the stadium a little bit. And that's why it matters. Mm-hmm. He can obviously overcome it. It's one start. Yeah. What are we talking about? One here? start at the beginning of the year. Yes. But... Yeah, people are going to remember that one. And you get off on the wrong foot with certain people, with new people, and there's expectation that it's not great. Mm-hmm. And like I said, the it's just that he also is calling his own game, and it was very notable before it. Shai said, maybe it's a something, maybe it's a little something, but mm-hmm. working on all these things, new guy, eight pitches, doing pitch calm, and you get tattooed like that. Yeah. You got Danny Jansen behind the plate, who gets a lot of credit always for being a great game caller. Uh, yeah, hard to imagine that he gets two of those and that everyone's just like, no, it's fine. You do all the work. You make all the decisions, Chris. It's totally cool. How about we let Danny call one? Positive thing. Mm. There's a lot being made of Dalton Varsho not hitting lefties because guess what? In his career, he hasn't done that like yeah. at all. Yeah. He stayed in the four hole against left-handed pitching. I thought was pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. And yesterday, very nice. Lead off versus a lefty. Then yep. another hit. He just looked comfortable in that spot. And it's the tiniest of tiniest of tiniest of sample sizes, right? Yeah. Like we even just saw the way that the swings can go from early on where you go, oh, wow, George Springer showed up locked in and then he couldn't get another hit. Or Matt Chapman, wow, the toe tap worked too. Oh, are we sure? Are we sure the adjustment worked? Mm-hmm. Right. There's just a couple little things. But yeah. for Varsho, again, first impressions to me matter. I think it's always harder to make yourself loved by a fan base when it is a top prospect that people are very excited about for a long time going out the door for you and you're not a solid, bona fide, all-star commodity. Right. Dalton Varsho is just becoming a known player in Major League Baseball. Mm-hmm. Really solid start for him. Yeah. To be able to get hits off lefties, to be able to... I know he made the mistake that Shai's talking about, but he also tracked the ball beautifully out in center field. And you went, oh, that looks like a center fielder. Okay, I get the defensive part of this when he's able to actually see the baseball. Yeah. And he got some hits off lefties. Yeah. He's very encouraged by that. It's two for four off lefties so far. Very nice. Dalton Varsho. Very nice. 
Last thing is a negative. That being said, <laughs> if Dalton Varsho is the guy that's behind your top three and that I'm relying upon against the lefty, that scares me a little. Mm. The Jays lineup, can we all just say it looks a little thin? The last what? two days especially. It but has. can we just say in our heart of hearts that it still does feel like what I said all offseason, that they're missing that other nice, reliable, right-handed bat, which is such a strange thing to say given <laughs> the way that this team has been built the last couple of years. Yeah. But when they put the lefty out there and you go, okay, there's Kiermaier, there's Varsho, there's Belt, okay? Mm-hmm. Alejandro Kirk, we know that he's going to be a good bat. I am just as like a slight bit concerned about the wear and tear he's going to have to take this year. And the fact that Danny Jansen is not exactly the, the picture of health. Mm-hmm. It's not exactly Mr. Stays healthy. And all I can think of is what happens if they lose one of those guys? What happens if they lose Danny Jansen for a little period of time? The stress that it puts on Kirk mm-hmm. is taking his bat out of the lineup more often as a, just a DH or what happens if Springer, another injury-prone guy, ends up getting hurt in terms of where they're going to generate some of the offense? It was nice to see Varsho do that. I still believe Chapman can have a positive regression season, even though there is some doubt about that new approach. We talked to Siddle about it last week. It just feels it feels a little thin. There's still going to be a great offense, okay? So don't take this as, oh, you think the Blue Jays' offense is going to suck? No, they're going to score a lot of runs, just like they did in the first game of the season. Yeah, think that they are locked to be a top-five offense in the American League. That said, yeah, it. I'm. A, I was a little nervous watching some of the guys come up to the dish. You worry about the depth. Yep, behind Vlad and behind Bo, it just seems a lot to have a guy in Varsho who is what is he like a career 760 OPS guy, something like that. Anyway, uh, somewhere in that range, someone with some power, but who. I don't think he's really established himself as an elite bat yet. I think he's an 800 OPS guy against right-handed hitting. All right. It's fine. Just it's, it's, it's a pretty significant, it's, it's a pretty steep drop-off. So we'll see how this plays out. But yeah, it does feel like there's still a bat short. If I was going to say, hey, what are the Blue Jays missing right now from the first weekend? Still missed that one big punch-out arm in the bullpen. Yeah. You do notice that. And then that, another kind of a bopper bat that you feel can come in, good on base, good power, right-handed bat that could slide a little bit higher in the lineup. Varsho's a 737 career OPS. Yeah, so I gave him too much credit. Whoopsie, either way. (laughs) All right, let's take a quick break. Let's come back. Um, Women's basketball had a real moment over the weekend, like a real awesome, significant moment. Hell yeah. Some people are filling their diapers. I loved every second of it. We're going to talk about that and Leafs load management and then best bets. That's going to be all on the other side of quick break. Breaking down the top stories in the NHL every day. The Jeff Merrick Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. So I've never seen women's basketball take center stage the way that it did yesterday. Ever. Which is awesome. Mm -hmm. Really, really great. There was hype going into it. I was excited to watch Clayton Clark. I was excited to watch LSU. Kind of butchered her name there. Kind of stuck Caitlin on Caitlin Clark. Why did I do it like that? <laughs> I just slow down. Caitlin Clark. It's actually not that hard. We have name time. To say. We have time. <laughs> I was excited to watch her versus LSU. What's the coach of LSU's name? Uh, LSU. Oh, I, I always I mispronounce it. Kim Malky. Malky. That's what I was it was. Excited to see her outfit. Like, Dude. Right. 
The shiny tiger suit? That's a lot. It's pretty cool, though. Yeah, she always does that. That's her move. She wears uh, very outrageous suits. Mm-hmm. I went, I wonder how this would go over in, uh, like... The NBA? Yeah, like, any if we had any other coach, like... Because it feels like you can do this in college, but if you step this up in the pros where you're the person wearing, like, the zany outfits, I don't mm-hmm. know how that goes over, but I love it. I love the flair of the game. I love the anticipation for the game. I love that... There was a lot of pregame coverage for it, that people were excited for it, that Caitlin Clark really was resonating on a different level, and you could see why, because, boy, she's she's Snapping taller records. Steph Curry. <laughs> <laughs> Just dropping 30-plus every single game of the tournament. Yeah, She's basically unguardable. Her range is outrageous. Her footwork is insane. Mm-hmm. And she's got that dog in her. She is just, you know, mean and competitive. She's throwing dimes, too. And guess what? I love that about sports. I like when people want to be the alpha. Yeah. Caitlin Clark wants to be the alpha. She just so happened to run into Angel Reese, who also wants to be an alpha. And so this game, I'll be honest, it was fun. There were real good moments. Iowa has a comeback later. But Mm -hmm. what really sucked about it is that the refs took center stage and that they decided to basically call every single touch foul on planet Earth. They called a technical on Caitlin Clark in the second half for her fourth personal foul off of a play where she just didn't throw the ball back to the official and she like moved it behind her a little bit. And I, it was just, it was so disappointing. Those officials just, I frankly, that is a place where on such a big stage for women's sports on such a big stage for sport in general, where it's the national championship game. Mm -hmm. I don't think that you can ever let any of those officials work a meaningful basketball game like that again. I think that that is such a, like black mark on their resume that it's over for all of them. Yes. Like never again. You're never (laughs) doing another national championship game. You got a shot. You blew it. You don't get multiple opportunities at that. They were awful. It was just insanely bad. Then the makeup calls, all of it. Anyway, uh, Jasmine Carson, first half, seven for seven. Just awesome. 21 point performance first half. Yeah. She was four for 19 throughout the entire tournament. So Angel Reese has this incredible moment where she... Gets in the face of Caitlin Clark at the end of the game. Mm-hmm. And people go, it's classless. People get really upset about it. I'll be honest, in the moment, I thought, ah, oh, it's a bit much. The ring thing, I didn't care about at all. Yeah. But then seeing you can't see me yeah, waving walking right up to her at the end of the game, I went, boy, that's a lot. Yeah. But was I upset? No. Because guess what? Made you feel something. And here's Angel Reese at the podium after talking about it. When everyone got so upset and people asked her, do you think this is poor sportsmanship? I'm, I'm, I'm happy. I mean, all year I was critiqued about who I was. Nobody, I don't, yeah, yeah, the narrative, I don't fit the narrative. I don't fit in the box that y'all want me to be in. I'm too hood. I'm too ghetto. Y'all told me that all year. But when other people do it, y'all don't say nothing. So this was for the girls that look like me. That's going to speak up on what they they believe in. It's unapologetically you, and that's what I did it for tonight. This was for the more. It was was bigger than me tonight. It was bigger than me. Twitter is going to go in a rage every time, and I mean, I'm I'm happy. I feel like I've helped grow women's basketball this year. I'm super happy and excited. So I'm looking forward to celebrating in the next season. Guess what, Angel Reese? You're right. You helped grow women's basketball. You really did. What do I always say? There's not enough hate in sports. Mm Hmm. That's your thing. <laughs> now, I, I do think that you can be 
a poor sport. I'm not saying that every piece of behavior should be condoned. Right. And I'm not even saying what she did at the very end of the game was something that I would say is like great. Mm-hmm. She went over and she she really rubbed her nose in it. I went, <laughs> damn, it's a lot. There's a bold move. Yeah. But I cannot, for the life of me, understand why some people are so upset about this. Keith Olbermann embarrassed himself on Twitter. I mean, that's literally what he does constantly. But, yeah, it was embarrassing mm-hmm. that he went that degree of inflammatory <laughs> with this. Angela Reese helped, Angel Reese. A- Angel Reese helped grow women's basketball. Absolutely. That's just a fact. And yeah. guess what? We care about sports because we care about stakes. Mm-hmm. And now, for the rest of her career, because I assume she's going to the WNBA. She's player of the tournament. Mm-hmm. which was a little controversial considering Caitlin Clark had just far superior numbers, yeah. like eight more assists per game, 10 more points per game, <laughs> better field goal percentage, uh, actually hits threes. Yeah. The only category where Angel Reese Peter was rebounding. And you mm-hmm. go, okay, well, fine. Uh, either way, who cares? I, I, have, I don't really have a big problem with the winning player getting those awards. Mm-hmm. Like in general, I, I side with that stuff. Either way. If Angel Reese and Caitlin Clark ever play each other in a WNBA game, people, now people guess are what? Watch. Now guess what? You, me, everybody else that's not used to watching women's basketball gives a crap. Yeah. We go, oh, that's interesting. I'd actually like to see that tonight. I'd like to see how those two match up against each other. Because sports hate is good. Yeah. A little bit of poor sportsmanship is not the worst thing that has ever happened to us. This is what mm-hmm. I'm saying about some of the takes when it comes to this stuff. What are we doing here? Like, what are we doing here when a 20-year-old girl celebrating a way that you don't think is okay is causing you to have a meltdown? It's sports. It's emotional. Yeah. Anyway, I just, (laughs) whatever. Even if, again, if you think it was poor sportsmanship, I can't really disagree with you. I don't really think that that was exactly what you would say is a classy move. Yeah. I do think that there is definitely a race element to it. Like... I don't think that what Caitlin Clark did was the exact same where she's just kind of like celebrating with her teammates because she did the you can't see me John Cena action first, right? Mm-hmm. And everyone was pointing to it. it. was a pretty different circumstance, right? Context does matter. Yeah. wasn't exactly like, oh, we're mad because she did this gesture. It's like, no, no, no. One was where she's flying by a bench at the end of the game. She's not really tracking someone down. Whereas Angel Reese like went over and was like kind of stalking her being like, <laughs> yo, look her. at me. Rub this in your face. I'm the one. You're not the one. Yeah. I'm the one. But you don't think Caitlin Clark was saying stuff during that game? You don't think that she is a demeanor? Because, again, she got that talk in her, too. So you play in that sandbox, and you can get hit back with the trash talk. That's Mm -hmm. what it comes with. That's the territory. I don't mind it at all. Yeah. I think it's good. I enjoyed it. And I watched that entire game, and I, I was blown away by how not entertaining it was, but by how much my interest now is going to kind of stay with those two players. And now I'll know who they are. And now I'm invested in their careers. There's the rivalry now. Either way. There's a story. That was sweet. And yes, Jasmine Carson, 419 over the entire tournament, seven for seven, 21 points in the first half. That's the only upside of having horrific officiating is that it gives the opportunity for people that never would have had that shot to Mm -hmm. shine on that biggest stage. Yeah. And Jasmine Carson came out and was like, yeah, I'm making the most of this opportunity. I'm going to drop seven to seven. Pretty sweet. Shout out for the game too. She's like, I've been working for this my whole life. Yeah. I finally got the shot. It was really, really cool. It was really, really cool. Anyway, uh, I'm going to keep it moving. I want to do quickly thought and then we'll do our best bet on Botano and then maybe take some things over the podcast only. So if you're not listening, if you're only listening to this radio show, this podcast only portion now. All right. So you subscribe, follow, you review, you do all those things, you jump over there, you can 
You can listen to bonus stuff on the pod. Mm-hmm. All right. Leafs. We can now officially put the Matt Murray thing to bed. He's not, I don't think he's, the debate is clearly over in terms of who's starting the playoffs. Yes. That's done, 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 done. Elias Samsonov. It's over. But I actually think it's now over the idea of Matt Murray starting in the postseason at all. Like it would take an injury, I think, to Samsonov for him to get in the net. What are you supposed to say about this? He's been either really bad or hurt for quite some time now. Has he had a couple of games here or there? Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Was he exceeding expectations for a portion of the season? Absolutely. Yep. But this is a guy that the Leafs took a gamble on, uh, attached $4.5 million of salary cap space to. Yeah. He's supposed to be the starting goaltender, and he's not that. There are genuine debates, like I had on Leafs Talk last night with Sammy, about, hey, is Joe Wall potentially just a better option than him because he's younger, more athletic? And That's what I was about to ask you. Is Joey Wall your playoff I, I joked. I joked last night. A part of me goes, yeah, no, I'd still rather have Mount Murray. But right. a part of me, my true self, goes, ah, you know what? Maybe I'd rather have the young kid who has been really good for them and who is more athletic and, yeah, has mm-hmm. has looked fairly reliable as, as of late. Sure. I, I don't think that they're worlds apart. Right. I don't know what the uh, experience thing matters when you're Matt Murray, when you're letting in goals like the second one against the Red Wings last night. And granted, that's a fluke injury, right? Last night, it sucks. And he gets pulled because of the spotter. We don't know what the future of it is. Mm-hmm. He could be back on the ice for the very next game. My guess is that Joe Wall gets the net against Columbus. But we'll see. We'll see what ends up happening here. Either way, um, Murray optimism for me is completely dead. I'm just done with it. I'm mm-hmm. not going to pretend like he's a viable backup option for this team. If he gets in the net in a series, it's, I think, a doomsday scenario. Either the Leafs have fallen down and Samsonov has fallen completely flat on his face to the point of just like extremely bad results, or it's an injury right. that put Matt Murray in the net, which brings up this, that the Matt Murray trade, the debates and the discussions about it, it's over. It's dead. It's gone. It was a bad move. It was a bad move. Yeah. It was a bad move to go out and get Matt Murray. Sorry. It was. You got a third round pick? Great. Who cares? <laughs> you allocated four and a half million dollars of your salary cap space for a goaltender that either doesn't play, gets hurt, yeah. or when he does play, allows four goals. Allows four goals. And now I don't know the exact details about this stuff with his buyout for next year. And I know that some people like I got one big time hardo response yesterday when I tweeted about it. I said, Oh, I couldn't care less about what's going on next year. Like, yeah, okay. <laughs> sorry. Oh, sorry. I'll just only confine whatever conversation I want to have to what is important to you right now. <laughs> sorry, right. sir. For next season, which will come by the way, this year is important. Guess what is going to be happening next year? Same conversations of at least I'll win. This is the year. This is the year. Mm-hmm. This off season, it does there is an interesting conversation that's going to happen with the goaltenders. Yeah. Which is one guy is going to be an RFA. We're not exactly what he's going to get paid in Samsonov, how happy he would be here, what kind of market he's going to have, how he feels, all this different stuff. Yeah. What, what he's going to have to get paid. Least don't like to allocate a ton of money into their goaltending. That's pretty clear. We don't know exactly what the salary cap is going to look like. But yeah, Matt Murray has a buyout that I think pays him in the neighborhood of 700 K for next year against the cap. And then the following season, it's 2 million 687 for next year. And then two mil the next one. Here's, here's what I'll tell you about that. There ain't no way the Leafs are doing that. Okay. They're not going to carry $2 million of dead cap money for Matt Murray two years from now. Mm-hmm. That is a nightmare situation for this team. Okay. I know it doesn't seem that bad because in this market, we're used to like the Darcy Tucker contract being on the books for 20 years, <laughs> dead cap. <laughs> 
the Phil Kessel contract lasting on the dead cap for a while where Leafs ate a portion of that. A capped out team that has Stanley Cup aspirations is not looking to carry $2 million of dead weight. Yep. They're moving off of Matt Murray this summer. It's a trade, but they, again, have some limited draft capital, so it's going to be interesting to see what the price of that is. Or Matt Murray, I think, comes back. Either way, it's harder to envision after last night than it was a little while ago. Anyways, it's time for Best Bets, brought to you by Patano. I always say it with Patano. 2022 Global Sports Betting Operator of the Year. Go look, go look at the book. I'm telling you. Look, look at the amount of options that you have to bet on on this, on this sports book. It is an incredibly deep book. Early payouts. People like that. Early payouts. Winning when you lose. Oh. <laughs> is there anything sweeter in the sports betting world? Okay, I'm going to rapid fire a couple of these things. Number one. There are 266 offerings on tonight's San Diego Aztecs game and the Connecticut Huskies. I say don't overthink it. Just go with the spread. And go with the San Diego Aztecs, okay? Daniele, you're still back there. Flip on your mic for like two seconds. Here's my thought on the Aztecs, all right? This is one of my favorite guys to talk college basketball with in the entire country, all right? Daniele Franceschi. Uh, I just like the Aztecs defense, and I think that they can bear down for enough time where they can get stops at a seven-and-a-half-point spread. Mm -hmm. They're, they're going to be able to keep this game close. I like their guard play. They've been in a bunch of, like, really tight, tough ball games. They're a gritty-ass team. Yes. I, I just think that... I love Connecticut. I think Connecticut's going to win this basketball mm -hmm. game. They're obviously favored for a reason. Their offense is way more reliable than San Diego State's. Oh, my God. San Diego State's offense at times <laughs> can just go in the, the toilet. <laughs> but I just I think they're a tough team, and I don't think that they're going to quit on this game, and I don't think they're going to get blown out. Seven and a half. hundred percent with you. Seven and a half is a little bit too big for yep. me. That was the other thing. I looked at Miami the other day, and I was like, five and a half felt big to me. But I yeah, get it ooh. because I know, but I get it because UConn's good. But, yes, I'm with you on that. San Diego State, a little sneaky good. Interesting matchup. All right, so that's my Botano best bet of the day. Botano Sportsbook, the game starts now. We got to run, but I've also thrown in a bonus bet. The Jays are only minus 125 with Barrios against the Kansas City Royals, who are 0-3. We have to ride that, okay? Anyway, let's take it over the podcast. Everything Raptors before and after the games. The Raptor Show with Will Liu. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome to the podcast, the podcast-only portion. We're back. Of the show, secret time, secret time. <laughs> only the podcast audience is here. The radio people are trash. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I like the radio people, too. Anyways, uh, since you're here, you know what you should do? You should leave five stars. I agree. One person wrote in my reviews, first of all, there was still the haters, somehow. So the haters are still following into the podcast portion, which, god damn it. <laughs> But secondarily, I did get one guy who was there. It was like, JD sent me. It's like, yeah. <laughs> who else would? Bro. It's my name's on the show. Yeah. So anyways, if you like the podcast, when you see it, share it. Do that nice thing. Or if you want to just do an easier thing because you're ashamed of me and loving the show, which mm -hmm. clearly you are if you won't share it on Twitter or on Instagram, whatever. Um TikTok. You could do a TikTok dance. Oh, yeah. I love the show. TikTok dance. That'd be a sick trend. I'd love that. Uh, <laughs> TikTok dance to our show. Yeah, exactly. Anything to the show. The intro music. Yeah, it'd be super sick. Oh, yeah. Um, Get us trending. But yeah, just go there and bang out that five-star review. Come on. Yeah. And if it's on iTunes, just leave me a comment. Just be like, hey, dude, you rock. <laughs> that would be really cool. That would be really, really cool. Okay, so I didn't do any WWE stuff. Mm -hmm. This is what I'll tell the people. Like, I'm going to have Blake in tomorrow. Yeah. So I'm going to do more WWE with him. I'll tell you this, though. This is my 
first thought on WWE stuff. Um, I watch two events a year. Mm-hmm. I watch the Rumble and I watch WrestleMania. Right. And then I shouldn't say two because if I'm if I'm I'm going to a live event if it's here because I love the live events. Yeah. But yeah, I don't really care. You know, right. it's too Ca- much time. casual thing. It really pissed me off that WrestleMania is two days. It, you uh, just murdered it for the casuals. Okay. Yeah. What kind of casual? First of all, I barely had the time for the one night five hour bangers <laughs> that they were kind of <laughs> stuffing out there the last couple of years where yeah. they're like. Hey, here's all these things, and I'm sitting there with little wrestling bros, and they're not even invested in it. And I'm going, come on, who is this for? Right. Because I always think this too. Okay, so a kid is sitting there for five, six, seven hours WrestleMania day, mm-hmm. and w- they're gonna be what? asleep at hour four. I was cranked out. Like, yeah. there's like, what's happening here? This is way <laughs> too much time to be at wrestling. Yeah. People say baseball games are too long, and then you got six hours of wrestling. Have you? None of, neither of you guys have ever been to wrestling, right? No. I've not been to one live. No. Okay. There is a sneaky amount of downtime in the middle, and when they're doing the like ad cut things or whatever, you're sitting there going, "Come on, it's shut just nothing's up. happening." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of nothing happening going on, mm. and when the stuff's happening, it's fun. And I, dude, I think live wrestling is one of the best things you can be at. I am curious about how it does feel to be at a WrestleMania event. I think it would be cool if you're a hardcore wrestling fan to be at something like that because mm-hmm. you're with your people. Like yeah. it's like mecca. For the dorks, <laughs> right? The wrestling for the dorks. dorks. For yeah, Blake Murphy. I listen. I love those. Yeah. yeah, Blake Murphy. Exactly. He's just like these guys that are like, "It's real to me, damn it." Those guys. Yeah, like, those, it's real to me, damn those it. Those guys. Exactly. The the oh, fellas. My. Anyway, so it's cool. It's your mecca, and yeah. you get to hang out with the squad, and that's a big part of the going of those things. That's pretty cool too. Anyways, it's like it's all the people that bought the fake championship belts, and you go like, "Oh, you're one of those guys, hey?" Okay, oh, I, cool. I want one of those. Yeah, of course you do. <laughs> just to have. Yeah. Nerd. <laughs> Uh, I just can't for the life of me understand who wants two days of that. I just don't. I feel like even if you're a diehard wrestling fan, it's a lot. you don't want that. It's a lot. But it's, it's like an actual commitment. It's so much. It's like a shift at That's work. That's your whole weekend. <laughs> it's like a shift. Saturday and <laughs> Sunday? Yeah. Full day event? Yeah. I know the guys behind the glass right now who are still here from the other show. Josh and Daniela are both like hardcore wrestling fans. Do you guys tell me the truth right now? Do you want 10 hours of WrestleMania? Like, are you guys stoked about this going into the hour 10? Too much. Jay. Not in the slightest. Yeah. yeah. Far so, too much. So what is the, like, I get, so Vince just sold this. Yes. So yeah. now it's basically just like WrestleMania has been now turned into a huge commercial for the UFC <laughs> and vice versa, where they're going to have these, like, two days of WrestleMania? It's too much. It's, it's the two gates, man. It's the two gates that are big for them, right? Look, they sold out SoFi twice. Yeah. So they're getting two gates of whatever that number is. That's pretty sick, that's, though. That's right? a lot. That's, dude, you that's know, insane. Dude, Vince, Vince and co. just slapped me right across the face. <laughs> <and they're> like, <laughs> I'm, I'm just like, this sucks, two days. And he's like, yeah, we sold out SoFi two twice. days in a row. I'm like, oh, yeah. yeah. It's like, you know how much money we get for that? <laughs> that's <laughs> the, oh, and the other thing is, and not to interrupt Josh, but yeah. they make it. Look, it's it's not really it's the two days, but yeah. it's the four days really when you think about it because they go SmackDown on Friday, yeah. which they always do in that city, right? And the night before, they do all do do them all in SoFi. No, so so they did it at Crypto on Friday. Okay, yeah. SoFi was Saturday, Sunday. Tonight, Raw will be. I don't know if it's Crypto again, but it's in LA. Okay, so they'll make Probably it four then. days out of it. Massive crowds. Insane yeah. destination for wrestling fans. Yeah, and this that's is wrestling concept. mecca. Yeah, yeah, okay. So they just decided, hey, since people are here Friday and Monday anyways, we might as well profit off these same rubes. That are going to pay twice to go yeah. to an event. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> so basically they did this whole thing. They ruined their television product for 
the people who buy the tickets so that they could get the gate. That's the way that Danielle has explained this to me. This is what kind of makes sense-ish. Mm. I just hated that it was spread out over two days where I'm like, I don't even remember. So, I, again, I read a little bit of what went down because I want to know just enough, right? Like, I followed just enough where I saw, okay, they didn't pass the belt to Cody Rhodes. All right, that's a bit of a weird one to me because I thought the whole reason that he came here was to be the champ and that the Roman Reigns narrative has been going on for quite some time right. and that people are the hardcores, the, everybody's just sort of a little sick of it. And then I can't even remember, like, what was the main thing from Saturday? Oh, it's probably the main event with the two Canadians, with uh, okay, Sammy but, and uh, Sammy and Kevin Owens. Yeah, and they fought, what, a tag team match? Uh, yeah, the Usos. And they the won, Usos? They and won the belts, yeah. And they won the belts. Okay, cool. Good for them. Congrats. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> Round of applause for the Canadian guys. We got champs. We got champs. All right. We so got champs. I saw, by the way, I did see just, like, the runway, like, McAfee came out. <laughs> and it's just incredible seeing the rise of Pat McAfee go from just a punter in the NFL that was, like, the cool punter to he's walking down what is a 9,000-foot ramp to get to <laughs> yeah, this ring. True. And all I could think of when I was watching him was, dude, good for Pat McAfee that he did not make that look extremely lame because anybody walking down that runway that isn't looking like Roman Reigns where you're super jacked and you have, like, a squad walking with you and you get to, like, mean mug it. Yeah. Look at a dork. <laughs> You come out, it's like, do you, do you see the pan out where it's just McAfee and his, you know, tank top? Really? Tank top? Yeah, of course he's wearing <laughs> yeah. a tank top. He, he always wears a tank mode. top. Yeah, he always wears a tank yeah, top. But he comes out and uh, he's got the let's go thing and the crowd is amped for him. I was I'm proud of Pat McAfee <laughs> where I go, dude, way to go. Way to, make, yeah. way to sell this. But for me... I'd have such a hardcore anxiety attack. The second I stepped out of that runway, I'd fall off. I'd be, I'd be just, <laughs> I'd immediately, I'm passing out. I'm falling off and yeah. I'm memed into existence because there's just no way. That is an intimidating. My, my knees would be shaking and stuff. Man, that runway would look so thin to me. Like the second <laughs> I walked out on that stage, that runway would just be like. I feel like, I feel like, like you lose zoom. your balance, like walking yeah, down. Too. I would feel like I was trying to walk a tightrope. Hmm. Like there's. Wow. A, you just go right off the left side. Done. <laughs> like immediately falling off the side of that thing, and people are like, "Oh, that, that would definitely be a clip forever for me forever." They're like local dork radio host. They definitely clip that the loser. Put the overlay. Loser on that. falls. No, nobody loser gets chance to not be that for two seconds. Biffs it. <laughs> like, that's that's the headline from WWE. Um, okay, so the big thing though from the weekend is the UFC bought it. Yeah, mm -hmm. Endeavor bought. The WWE, so Let's now it's a, so it's a UFC WWE merger, um, twenty one point four billion dollars. It's a public traded company. The Endeavor, so the UFC part, um, holds fifty one percent. WWE yeah. shareholders hold forty nine. Mm -hmm. What was your first reaction to hearing that? Now that, yeah, like Endeavor owns the U the WWE now. My first reaction to this was I watched Succession last night, and it's the best show on television. And uh, what I would do for a full access behind the scenes Succession episodes of Vince McMahon, the McMahon family, and the way that they <laughs> came about these decisions, I would kill for it. It would yeah. be such incredible television. It would be my number one sports doc or of all time automatically. There's just no way that uh, about it. Mm -hmm. The way that they handled Vince and all of his controversies, him coming back, him feeling like he needed to step aside, but basically always being the Logan Roy, where he's like, oh, I'm going to take control of this business. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, Vince. You know, I picture him he having was the his, puppet master the yeah, whole time. Dude, um, that's an insane amount of money. Yeah. So Vince should be proud. It is weird to think like, Okay, so WWE shareholders are still involved in this. Yep. I don't really know. I'll, I'll talk to Blake about what the actual dynamics of this are. Mm -hmm. All I'll say is this. As a UFC fan, I hate this so much. Because I, I don't... When I was a little kid, 
Mm-hmm. And I first asked my dad, hey, can we get these DVDs? We were at Rogers Videos and Blockbusters. You guys have no idea what that is. No clue. And I would say, can I get these DVDs of these UFC fights? And my dad would say to me, that is fake. You <laughs> are an idiot. And I would go, damn it. <laughs> and I believed him. So close. I was like, are you sure? He's like, yeah, man. You idiot. These are so fake, obviously. Mm-hmm. Sumo wrestler isn't ones. fighting a boxer. Because oh. that's how it used to be at the very beginning of UFC. I always wanted to watch it. Then when I was in university... UFC clips started to get hot in the streets. And Vitor Belfort was my guy. Mm. Vitor came out in the cool ass shorts with the eyes on the butt. And he's like, you look at my butt? I was like, yeah, just the <laughs> eyes on your butt. I'm looking at those eyes. Anyways, Vitor, all juiced up, yeah. tons of TRT flowing through his veins. And he would go out there and he would just wreck, son. And it was fun. There was like Tank Abbott going out there and just looking like uh, the scariest guy in a bar. <laughs> and just knocking someone clean out. You go, yes. And then all of a sudden... The UFC started to become like real legit to like the Randy Couture's of the world. Mm-hmm. You'd be watching the stuff, and obviously, Tough took it to a different level with Forrest, with Stephen Bonner. Yep. And you went, man, I'm in on this stuff. And then GSP's rise, and I became just a huge hardcore UFC fan. Yep. And it always bothered me a little bit whenever it would trend into the this is not martial arts territory, this is a spectacle territory. I thought part of the reason why the UFC really took over from boxing was that it was supposed to be the best on the best. And mm-hmm. it was real martial arts in its purest form. If you could be the best at mastering all of these disciplines, you would be the man. Pure combat. And it was the best. And I love mixed martial arts, dude. Mm-hmm. I really am. I know I do some of it a little bit too much sometimes on this podcast. And some people go, dude, we're not really that into it. Just talk about the whatever. I love MMA. Mm-hmm. I just, I always will. And I love the rise of Conor McGregor. Because he was authentic, right? He was authentically unapologetic. He was himself. But then all these Connor clones started popping up. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't the first guy to ever try to cut promos, right? But he yeah. was the first guy of this ilk to just pop the popularity of the UFC to that degree. Yeah, A lot of champions that the UFC had had, its greatest fighters, George St. Pierre, reserved, humble, quiet. Hmm. Anderson Silva, not an English-speaking <laughs> guy, pretty cocky in the octagon, yeah. but not a huge trash talker when it came to promotions. He let the fighting do the talking. Yeah. We had guys that came through and who would try to do that stuff, but we'd never had a champion that was as dominant as Conor McGregor who did the talking that Conor McGregor did. And ever since then, there's been a lot more of this UFC-style cutting of promos. And that's why like, I really just can't get down with Colby Covington is because it's just so fake to me. Yeah. Go, okay, so you're doing an impression. And so many guys have tried to kind of run this playbook. And for whatever reason, like Dana White and co and Zufa and yeah, all this different crap, they have done an incredible job of building up this brand and of getting the UFC to a big ass place. But I've hated the idea of trying to blend these two worlds. I hate when the two worlds blend, whether it was Brock Lesnar coming from WWE to the UFC and then the WWE trying to get him back and then using his MMA background as like, Hey, he's it's like, okay, yeah, kind of Ronda Rousey, same thing. There's just been these affiliations between the two sides and I'm just not down for it. I don't really care for it. I don't want to see, here's what I don't want to see that I know I'm going to see. When they have these pay-per-views or these big main events, why wouldn't they be trying to bring more UFC fighters into the mix to try to build their brands up and to try to make them bigger names and try to yeah. sell their pay-per-views? And so now you've got them in that world. You just went through a betting scandal where some people go, wait, what's going on with the UFC? Is, is all of this on the up and up? Yeah. Hmm, good I, point. I, I don't like the idea that you're going to market these fighters on a fake fighting platform. 
I agree. on a sports entertainment platform and that you're going to blur the lines between these two things, which one to me, Hey, I have a lot of respect for wrestlers. I think it's a grind. I think that the schedule is insane. Mm-hmm. I think that it takes a level of athleticism that is really impressive. Yep. Um, but it's not martial arts. Okay. It's entertainment and they branded it well as sports entertainment. A lot of y'all who love it fell hook, line, and sinker for that. Look at this! Sports entertainment! Okay. It's mostly dancing. (laughs) It's pretty much dancing. (laughs) It's kind of cheerleading. (laughs) There's going to be some people in your mentions for that one. (laughs) pretty much cheerleading, guys. But okay, sure. Sports entertainment. Is cheerleading sports entertainment? Because I would say it's pretty similar to that. Anyways, it's acrobatics, it's cheerleading, it's dance, it's a combination of these things. It's all of those things infinity more than it is fighting. Fighting, it's dead last, you know? Uh, So anyways, I just don't like... I don't like the merging of those worlds. Neither I don't want to do see I. my MMA stars in the ring at WrestleMania going, and you got to watch my pay-per-view next weekend. Like, that's cringe to me. I don't want to see it. <laughs> yeah. I don't no, want to see it. You're I, definitely going to see it, though. Of course you're going to see it. Yeah. That's the, <laughs> the play here is to merge these two yeah. worlds. The yeah. frustrating thing is that these guys, especially Dana White, Endeavor, whatever, they have just done failure after failure after failure, and they just continue. They have so much money, and they're just going, yeah, whatever. Now we're going to buy successful products. Yeah. Slapley, can't WWE. believe it failed. Unbelievable. Big what a surprise. shocking turn of events that this didn't pan out for the <laughs> entire world. Who would have seen that world. coming? Yeah, so anyway, um, don't really love it, but crazy amount of money. Yeah, and $9.3 now, billion dollars for the WWE. Yeah. That's how much they're valued at now. Yeah, so I'll do a little bit more with this with Blake tomorrow. Um, but yeah, here my only WrestleMania thought was, cool venue, really long ramp. <laughs> thought Cody was going to be champion. I'd don't probably really, fall off. Don't really understand Cody not being champion from a storytelling standpoint just seems to make way more sense with right. him there than with Roman Reigns still didn't have any clue of what went on Saturday. <laughs> Other sports are going on. Uh, yeah, that's At a tough, run. that's a tough commitment. That's a tough commitment. All right. What's next? Uh, JD LeBron James is refusing to pay for the verification on Twitter. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Elon Musk announced that they're going to do it. He announced it on April 1st. So people thought it was an April fool's joke, but it's real. Mm-hmm. And LeBron saying, uh, a whelp. Guess my blue check will be gone soon. A whelp. If you know me, <laughs> I ain't paying the five. A whelp. Yeah. So uh, a lot of other places have come out and said they're not paying for the blue check yeah, either, yeah. and uh, caused quite the stir online. Yeah, LeBron yeah. James is the corny king. Like this, he's undefeated <laughs> he did say with his whelp, corn ball. By the way. Yeah, he's just a corn. Like he's the best, one of the greatest basketball players of all time. Uh, but he is unquestionably the corniest great player of all time. And here's the thing. LeBron is a marketing genius. He doesn't do things by accident. And he's doing this because this is what he aligns with politically is the hard left people don't want to be affiliated with Elon Musk. They love to dunk on Elon Musk. Mm -hmm. And so to him, this isn't about like not wanting to pay five bucks. Clearly, dude, do you even know, do you think LeBron James, like, what, $5 to him? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> like, I think he's made, like, $20 since uh, we started speaking, yeah. No, he, what do you mean? Is it he's $20? More than that. Yeah, more than, I was, bad at math, JD. Bad at math. Yeah, I know. Sometimes. Since, <laughs> since we started the sentence, maybe. $20, yeah. dude. <laughs> <laughs> no. P, P, he yeah. may have made your rent. Yeah. No, he possibly. did. Uh, <laughs> no, LeBron is going to own a basketball team someday. LeBron is going to be, is he already a billionaire? Yeah. Yeah, he is, right? Yeah. yeah. LeBron's already a billionaire. B, billion. Mm-hmm. He's got the tequila. He's <laughs> <laughs> Yes, Pete, he yeah. does have the yeah. tequila. Among tequilas. many things. Yeah. He uh, also plays basketball. <laughs> this is just this is just him trying to dunk on Elon, which is whatever. Like I don't, yeah. I don't know. Elon 
goes, sure, this is just creating more interest and more attention to my site. This is the basically the play Elon makes every time is, hey, you can dunk on me all you want. You're creating traffic on my site, which is a positive for me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that this is just sort of the era that we're entering into of what are we going to have to pay for on the internet because more stuff is going to be behind paywalls moving forward. That's pretty clear. Like a lot yeah. of places are going, yeah, yeah, yeah. We uh, have been giving you this content for free for a very long time. We're running out of deficit and we can't continue to do it this way. Mm-hmm. This model that we built is not right. The problem is, is that I think millennials and especially you guys, Hello. the Gen Z's, you just do not, you will not pay. You will refuse. You guys don't care about <laughs> anyone other than yourself. Like I saw Gen Z on the subway today. She's sitting in the blue seats, which are reserved. It's a packed subway. Yeah. Blue seats. I can see her across the way and she's got her bag on the middle blue seat on a packed subway. Oh, she's Gen Z. bag. The bag, that's bad. Yeah, no, but I'm just like, yeah, bad. because you guys, your generation is just so like hyper locked into just like your own personal safe space, you know, whatever. <laughs> you're just as important as everybody else. You're a special snowflake. And yeah, anyway, you're not going to pay and millennials aren't going to pay. And it's tough. It's tough to get people to just recognize, hey, you know, you want good content. You want reliable content. You should actually have to pay for that, especially you're using it every single day. And I'm guilty of it, too. There's certain times where I just eye roll at certain stuff and I go, ah, I have to pay for this. Yeah. Mm. But I don't really understand why we've come around on paying for stuff like Netflix and entertainment online. Yeah, that's true. Because it used to be you could get all that stuff. Well, you still can get all that stuff for free. Like you can easily pirate movies and television. It's yeah. not a difficult thing to do. But we've gotten over that. We've gone, you know what? We've integrated it well with what we're doing and we're paying. And even though we're paying for like five, six different services now, people are still doing it. Mm-hmm. What we need to get to is a point where our media outlets and some of the apps we use, we're willing to pay a small fee for so that it can actually sustain itself. Mm -hmm. And so that cheaper, worse options don't come around. My thing, if I'm LeBron with the $5 thing though, is like, here's, here's where I'm at with it. As much as he wants to dunk on Elon and as much as New York times doesn't want to do it or all these other people that want to pay for the blue check mark. I don't pay for mine by the way, like work does. That's why I still have mine. Cool. But I wouldn't pay for it either. Right. It just mm. doesn't have any real value to me because what? Someone's going to pretend to be me? <laughs> you know, like and if someone gets duped by fake me, I don't really like who cares? Yeah. You could probably get fake by fake me anyway. Like, you know what I mean? And if mm. someone put a tweet out that was me, I'm like <laughs> encouraging people to do this as a nightmare. But either way, um, it's gonna be people, JD clones popping up. people would believe it anyway. They wouldn't be like, oh, well, there's no blue check. You know, or they won't even know my Twitter handle at JD Bunkus. Go shoot me a fall. But yeah, they wouldn't even know my Twitter handle enough to be like, wow, the differentiator here is serious. But if I'm LeBron, I just think the annoyance of people doing the fake accounts and just fake LeBron James accounts, Mm -hmm. it'd be almost worth it just to have the blue check mark just to be like, hey, don't do this with my name. Well, it did happen one time, right? When he announced he, well, he announced he was requesting a trade from the Lakers and going back to Cleveland, and everyone believed it. Yeah, no, but that, that was the first day that the blue check, like the blue check mark thing. Oh, right, yeah. they, so someone fake blue checked yeah. that one. Yeah, I saw, it was King I saw James it. with a Z. I you saw know it at what, six though? in the morning. Yeah, and but then they kind of got rid of that though. They kind of got rid of those parody accounts, essentially, right? Like that really was really quickly. The, yeah, exactly. So I was going to say the blue check mark doesn't even have as much value when everyone can just blue check yeah. fake. Anyways, but now those parody accounts are kind of banned. You can get them maybe the one pop. And the real verification is the gold one now. Yeah, yeah, That's exactly. That's the, the legitimate oh, verification. Oh, LeBron, just like, <laughs> chill out, man. Mm. We get it. Ah, uh, LeBron. Yeah, I, th- I love how he thinks that this makes him like a man of the people is what his tweet is too. He's like, I'm not paying well, five bucks. Five bucks means something to me too. It's like, no, it doesn't, I ain't paying dude. the five. No, it doesn't, dude. <laughs> 
please, dude. That's $60 for the whole year. Yeah, just relax. That's what I'm saying is some of the stuff where it's just, it's gone too far. I wouldn't, I think if you're doing the blue check mark just for a social status thing, it's kind of lame. But no, the fact that there's going to be added features for a check mark, mm-hmm. I don't know, it seems like you want to edit certain stuff or you want to be able to do certain things on the app that are better. I don't know. I don't know. I don't have a problem with places. Like, I don't think that it should be paid to have to be there. Right. Because it is supposed to be, you know, just like a free... Free platform. Yeah. <laughs> and, well, also, it's taken on a different level of import in our society. Places like this, spaces like this. Yeah. Unfortunately, to probably our detriment. But either way, having a voice there does matter. Mm-hmm. And being able to be there does matter. That's where but, so, yeah, much, five so bucks, much news comes from. I know, but five bucks to have the best... If, if you want to be a different member, it seems like pretty no-brainer to me that that's not that big of a deal. Yeah, five mm-hmm. bucks. What's next? Uh, Canada has increased their alcohol tax, J.D. Yeah, okay. I don't know what we're Why? doing, but it, it was originally supposed to be 6.3%. They brought it down to 2%. Um, it's part of, like, this escalator tax that they introduced in 2017, and it rises with inflation. So that's why it was like supposed to be much higher earlier, but they've fought to bring it down to 2%. Uh, Whoever's fighting for the 2%, good good for you. Because (laughs) guess what? Booze is already way too expensive in this country. It's insane. Mm -hmm. Like, go anywhere else. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, no, it's a lot. We drink so much beer, we consume a ton of alcohol, and we pay, like, nobody's business. Our bars don't get any breaks when it comes to the price of these things. Our distributors... Uh, are completely unchecked. It's another monopoly where we get screwed over as customers. So, frankly, any increase to me is completely unacceptable given that, yeah, there is such a large demand for this and people are thrown over a barrel, de-pantsed and taken <laughs> because they are just trying to have a, a drink, just trying to have a glass of wine, just trying to have a beer. Yeah. And now I do. I feel like our friend, you know? <laughs> yeah. You know, what's that, that going to yeah. do for you, guy? <laughs> St. Catharines, I think. Yeah, where he's like, why is the government trying to tell me what to do? Yeah, that guy yeah. is the man. <laughs> I miss that guy. You can't handle the tooth. Yeah. Rock and roll! <laughs> <laughs> so good. I still need to say rock and roll more. Yeah. I should have stole that catch. I should have stole We should have those drops just like on yeah, hand. Yeah, we do. Just ready we to do. go. We do. Um, but yeah. Um, that was a good video. I just, it's so infuriating when you go out and have just a couple of beers with yeah. a friend and you look down at the bill and you're like, why am Your I? Your eyes like water a little bit. And then they hit you with that tip option and you go, Okay. Yeah, what is your rule for tipping on drinks? Usually, it de- well, it depends on the service. Oh, yeah? It depends okay. on the service, depends where I am. Okay. And depends on what they have to do. So, like, when I mentioned I went to that cocktail bar. Right. They're hustling, right? They're making cocktails, and it's two people that are grinding away, making the cocktails for the entire bar. Yeah. If I go to a cocktail bar, and the bartender is working their ass off... Sometimes I'll even custom tip it over straight up because I'll wow. be like, you're killing it. Yeah. Depending on the drink price. Some places they, they factor that in the drink and then I just do the stock, you know, 22% for the higher option. And I go, that's fair. Mm-hmm. A higher one. If I'm just going in and grabbing a pint at a bar and I'm standing next to you and you poured it into a glass or you <laughs> handed me a bottle or a can, yeah. you're getting 18. Mm. 18 yeah, you that makes sense. 18 for that. I'm sorry. I'm just, I can't go over it. And if you give me bad service... <laughs> I, I, I wish I could say I hit the no tip often, but I usually just drop it down to 15 or 12. Hmm. 12 is a real statement by me. If I custom drop that 12. 12. Yeah, 12 yeah. is low. I don't know if I ever get a 12 from JD. I'm no, crushed. No, no, 12. But 12 is like, 12 is like if I go to a bar and then it takes you a while to seat me and it shouldn't take a long time to seat me. You give me a crappy spot. You give me a crap zone. 
mm-hmm. you're coming up real slow every single time. So if there's obvious laziness or something like that at play. Just, yeah, incompetence by the server. True. I, I'm going, yo, you should actually have to be somewhat accountable. I do view the tipping option as like performance-based. You mm. have a high. I mean, that's kind of what it is, 22, right? and you have a low, normally 18, sometimes lower. Mm-hmm. It's one of those two. God, let's be honest. We're all just hitting the button. That's why it's so infuriating when they change the button options and they keep going up because you're like, Dude, <laughs> don't make me have to hit enter custom amount. And then I see the dollar and then I see the tip percentage. I actually do feel sometimes as though you should just give like a dollar amount. And that's the easiest way to do it. Where you're like, you know what? I went in for like four beers. You get $5. Yeah, True. That's what you I know. Do. Like, yeah, yeah it's just uh, that's it's sometimes better than the percentage just of what it should be flat rate kind of thing. But yeah. either way, um, yeah, I'm, I'm so sick of what we have to pay for booze in this country at times. Like it is, it's just insane that you can go. And rack up a hundred dollars at the LCBO yeah. oh, with like incredible ease, with just like essentially getting nothing. That you go to a bar, you have a double, a couple of <laughs> beers, whatever, and then your bill is astronomically high. Especially you check after your credit card statement the next morning. Yeah, and it's just, like, oh my goodness. So yeah, adding tax to this inflation just pisses me off. Anyways, what's next? Obviously, so, hey, guess what? I don't like paying more for things. So that's the JD Bunker's like position. That's a I thing. prefer to pay less for the things I enjoy. Next. Yeah. So we we, we uh, late last week the uh, the NFL announced that they're going to have potentially... So the, the owners voted to approve a rule that there's going to be two Thursday night football games yeah. every week next season. George Kittle, Patrick Mahomes, a number of players have come out and said, like, uh, we don't like this yeah. because George Kittle's talked about it. He talked about it on the Thea Vaughn podcast, how it feels like a car crash every single Sunday. So yeah, now yeah, you get okay. two games on short rest. I mean, first reactions? Well... To potentially more injuries. Okay, so I do know that they have those studies to show that running backs, for what, for example, like the physical toll actually yeah. is equivalent to some car crash stat. Mm-hmm. A little bit of just maybe cry a little less, George, here. You're getting millions of dollars. I was dollars using here. his words. That's not my I know, words. I know. You're, yeah. I'm saying just can we not with the whole... And the recovery of the two car crashes. It's like, no, you know what's like being in a car crash is you're like, oh my God, I'm going to die. And then uh, my vehicle is completely destroyed. My life is completely upended. Uh, I might never walk the same way. I, uh, someone might have died in the car. Like just some of these people with their perspective is just out to lunch a little bit. And I, right. I like George Kittle. I think he's like an interesting figure. But oh God, can we just not use these hyperboles sometimes when you mm-hmm. are uh, living in the 1% of the 1% of the 1% of the 1% of the world when you're George Kittle? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, dude. Your job is kind of physically demanding because you're a professional athlete, and yeah, that's what the money's for. They, you guys like how the salary cap keeps going up. You like how the money keeps flowing in. You yeah. know how that happens is more football games. So, like, I, I just think it's a weird correlation sometimes that these athletes make mm-hmm. where they go, they're asking us to do more. They want us to play. <laughs> you go, yeah, but we want more money because it's dangerous. And you go, okay, but you have to understand that they – this is the way that this goes. This is the way this yeah. operates. Mm. Yeah, the NFL's goal is to have less meaningless primetime games. Business grows, you get more. How does it grow? <laughs> more gate, more eyeballs, more games, more viewership, more ads. Duh. <laughs> anyway, I just, I get it. I empathize with a football player because it is extremely physically taxing. Yeah. But this is a situation where football players, they'll go, we're the gladiators. And I'm like, yeah, except for, you know, the thing about the gladiators is, ah, oh, they didn't choose to be they, they, the, so, the, and if they did it was good. they were often oh, prisoners <laughs> yeah exactly they could they didn't go home at night to their family and to their they weren't allowed to millions. see their families they didn't go into they they weren't you weren't forced in here 
Okay? You're not escaping, George Kittle. You're not Spartacus, bro. You had a choice. To You're play not football. fighting you chose lions. to do this. This is the business you've chosen. And then to quote the great Don Draper, that's what the money's for. So I just, I, like, of all the places I'm supposed to put my sympathy and empathy into the world, right? We only have so much to give. Yeah. George Kittle wants me to remove my sympathy and empathy from the children of Myanmar and give it to him because he a had, drastic example. because his personal trainer had to work a little bit harder on his body from week to week. Oh my goodness. I took an extra ice bath. I had to get double the massages. I was, I was sore on Tuesday morning. Oh my God. To empathize though. No, I don't. They really don't like it. I, I think it was Aaron Rodgers who said if he was yeah, commissioner. They don't like, like it. I don't like it. It's dumb. A lot of it is dumb. A lot of it, if we didn't, that's what I'm saying. For us, I would not care about having the Thursday night football games. They're usually terrible. I don't like that the yes. athletes don't feel fully recovered. I'm, I'm agreeing with some of this stuff. I'm mm-hmm. just saying the way that these guys present this sometimes is just a little bit overly dramatic. And I thought Kittles was that. That's all. Mm. Do you remember how bad the primetime games were this, this past year? I don't remember anything, man. My brain <laughs> is... Remember the Colts and the Broncos? No, I don't remember anything. Uh, Colts and Broncos. I just remember... Actually, like, I do remember that no, game. No, Colts and Broncos, no, it, was, it was what, 3-3 three, three well, at halftime? Because my favorite team was playing, uh, whoever plays the Broncos. <laughs> 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 I'm going to miss whoever plays the Broncos. It's going to be different next year not having their pick. Like, I'm still going to hate... Russell Wilson, I'm still going to hate watching those games, yeah. but it's just not going to be, it sucks it, to go you, from you having, can't hate the same, you know, having two picks <laughs> is nice. You know, yeah. I'm jealous of the teams that have that. It was nice to live that reality of your team on Sunday uh, to hope they win. And then the yeah, other you just team go back to your one team. Yeah. yeah. That, that hopes they lose. All right. We got one more. What? Uh, yeah. So the MLBPA has taken a firm stance that it's not going to accept the salary cap, but Rob Manfred Ooh, said last like week that it's a, a salary cap in baseball would be hard to ignore. He said yeah. it on a, the show on the New York Post. Well, let's put it this way. Even the NBA, which I'm a big fan of, they mm-hmm. had the luxury tax. One of the new things in the CBA was that they went, yeah, we're going to limit the ability for these luxury tax teams to yeah. just go deep into the money and have all the advantages. So like the Golden State Warriors would look very different. The Clippers, the Clippers would look very look different. different. Uh, so would the Bucks. Yeah. But yeah, so luxury tax teams not going to be the same. All of these leagues want more cost certainty and they want that stupid parody thing, which I cannot stand. <laughs> I hate it so much. Yeah. And now the NHL is looking at this like, see, everybody's doing what we do. We're the apple of the league. eye. hard salary cap, no extra dollar anywhere. We've done it. It's yeah. so weird to be too. There's still these like online complainers with the NHL that are big crybabies that go, look at the, they're using the LTIR. There's not even really a real salary cap anyway. <laughs> That should be a good thing. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. Uh, baseball's going to have a salary cap someday. I think that's pretty clear. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, for sure. Before 2030? They'll break those guys. <laughs> They'll break those They'll players. Break They'll break those players. These guys are going to break eventually. Yeah, Rob Manfred's throwing it out there, and yeah. they're going to have it someday. And guess what? They already... It, the weird thing with baseball is that they kind of already do in the sense of everybody has their own budget and some teams go way over and some teams go like way under like mm-hmm. Oakland, right? Yeah. Where Oakland is just embarrassing where every year they're like, give us our revenue. <laughs> We're not paying you. Uh, like it's a nice little song. Yeah, can't, can't I, catch on. I, I just, I think that eventually all these leagues are going to have caps. Unfortunately, Damn. baseball. I, how I, soon do you think that'll happen? Yeah, soonish, sooner than you think. Like Manfred's before like doing stuff, eh? yeah. Yeah, I think next CBA negotiation will probably center heavily around some form of a cap, and baseball mm. will do probably a luxury tax system closer to what 
the NBA does, or they'll, because they have to do guaranteed contracts. They're not going to do yeah. that. They're never going to move off of that. But yeah, I think that eventually they'll, they'll probably put a cap in. Yeah. And if they don't, guess what? The owners will just have their collusion, which they all do anyways, like that free agency a couple of years ago <laughs> that everyone forgets about with baseball, where like all of a sudden nobody could get any money. Yeah. So that's that for me. Anyway. Uh, all right. Let's wrap the sucker up. Let's, 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 let's finish. Let's go home. We're nice. going home. Yeah. Going home. Going Pizza home to cut clips. Nice. Leaving our safe space. Yeah, nice. I'm going home Back to, work. to my Harry Potter video game and blanket. Oh my God. It's been so long. I'm going I've, home to work on this show. So, Gen Z. I've been at work for two and a half hours. <laughs> oh my God. I'm exhausted. Anyways, uh, meanwhile, Daniela and Josh been here like all since like four in the morning, grinding away, working their ass off. Pete literally did nothing today. He's like, oh God, blanket, please. My bubbly's empty. Yeah. I got to get another spark. Uh, all right. Leave five stars. Blake Murphy tomorrow, and then, yeah, Masters coming up. Masters week. It's going to be a good weekend. Leafs play Bruins this week. Yeah. Good weekend. Some good stuff this week. (laughs) All right. We'll see you then.